Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Ignorant Bliss. Um, what you're about to hear next is a recording from uh, a talk I did with my friend Tom King at Phantom Comics, uh, a comic book store in Washington, D.C. last February. I had this for a while, but as you can tell from most of the time of last year, I didn't do as many episodes as I probably should have uh, because of work and just lack of energy or whatever. So as I have a bunch of new episodes recorded, and even though I still need to finish uh, Why Watchmen episodes, I am going to put this out since it's almost a year later. Uh, we talk about the end of Mr. Miracle um, and some of his uh, like vision, not much of a vision, but mostly Mr. Miracle and uh, questions from the audience. And this was a before uh, we went out to L.A. and he's talked about that a lot in in other podcasts. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. It was fun. It was really lax. Uh, it's not too long. I would like to thank all of my patrons for helping make the show possible. Uh, you can follow me at Julian Lytle on all social media platforms. Uh, IGBL podcast on Twitter for the podcast. Please share, like, if or whatever this is on. If it has a like function, uh, subscribe, uh, give a good review. Um, Ignorant-bliss.com is the website. And that's all we got. Um, enjoy. Talk to you guys soon. Peace. We got to get one of those balls to come up to the number one. Hi. Hey, hi. So, yeah, thank you all for coming. Uh, we did this two years ago. Uh, was that like, long? Yeah, it was it's, two, it's two under two years, but like, technically it was in 2017. It was never. It was, oh, yeah. it was a while ago. Yeah. But, first, <laughs> the first two issues did come out. Okay, I was like, yeah. But, yeah, Tom was super nice and said, yeah, I want to come through again. So, yeah. <laughs> With all the 10-minute Uber. It was yeah. So- yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs>
so uh, as you all probably saw in the event, like we're going to do uh, a quick kind of like panel-esque thing first, and then we're gonna break down all the chairs and get ready for the signing. Uh, it's limit two per person. Uh, if the line moves kind of quickly, we may let folks get back in, but you know, obviously we want to give everybody a shot to say hi to Um But yeah, uh, Armand, do you need a chair? Hello, everybody. I'm Julian Lytle. Uh, I do a podcast with Ignorant Bliss sometimes. I make a comic. I know the store. I know Tom. So they asked me to like do this part, talking to him. And we're about to go on a secret mission to Hollywood that we can't talk about Dang. on Monday. Julie and I. Yeah. 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 I'm looking forward to that. A little bit of sunshine. <laughs> but, uh,. Um, I'm guessing everybody here has read Mr. Miracle. Maybe you got halfway through at least. <laughs> so, you know, for maybe for the few who might not know, Mr. Miracle is a character created by Jack Kirby in the 70s, part of the fourth world of the New God saga. Tom got the opportunity to write the character and he flipped it and remixed it into a story. With your help. I just I just talked about some stuff. <laughs> I just did a sermon. That's it was it. important. And <laughs> uh, when she kind of deals with uh, depression and being a family man and being a famous guy and how he grew up. So he also did it with a great artist by the name of Mitch Garrett. That's his name. That's right? perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out here winning. <laughs> I'm out here winning. Um. So lately, Tom has probably been talking about this book a lot. A ton of, like, interviews. He was just in New York recently. Yeah, so, but this is home. That's New York. I lie to those people. So, I can tell you all the truth. <laughs> all right. I recently reread the whole Fourth World Saga, and, and I reread most of your book again. The one thing I noticed is, like, uh, the beginning of the comic, the beginning of your book, kind of fits within the same issue type as the original run. So like the first book, you kind of get introduced to him escaping stuff. The second book is the X pit. Third yeah. book is Bedlam. Yeah. Fourth issues, some Orion. Well, not really Orion, but stuff with new guy stuff and then McBarda. Was that a... Um, Fifth issue funky, yeah. Fifth issue funky. Was that a? Uh, did you try to do that on purpose to try to get this idea across of Scott not dealing well with his childhood trauma, along with hearkening back secretly to his previous adventures as becoming Mr. Miracle. Uh, sounds so much smarter than I am. Uh, can I just lie and say yes? Uh, no, uh, what I did... Um, so I knew it was going to start with this opening splash of like him this bleeding out in the, in the bathroom. And I wrote it, and I, and I saw it, and there were no words on the page. And I just didn't know what to... I was like, I got to put some words on here, but obviously he can't talk, and I didn't want to put narration in, so I had no idea what... Just to slow down the reader so they could read it. And uh, and so I just I started looking for words to put in the to put in the book, and um, I was like, well, how about like like a like a quote from Jack Kirby would be cool, like a quote from an old New Guys thing. 
So I started going through New Gods and I found some stuff I liked and I couldn't find the right thing. And then I looked at the first issue of Mr. Miracle since I was writing numbers and I was like, wow. Because the way Jack Kirby does it, in, in, so in the history, Jack Kirby started Mr. Miracle right after he had broken with Stan Lee and he was super mad at Stan Lee and Marvel and hated and, and, and sort of was making a big transition in his life. But he also knew that Stan Lee made, was the most successful writer he'd ever worked with. So he's copying Stan Lee, but in his own sort of Kirby way with these, each issue starts out with a Stan Lee monologue, but in a Kirby way. So it's like, it's like Stan Lee, with the fire hose is all the way on. So it's like, it doesn't quite make sense. And it's like weird. It's got these weird alliterations. And so I just literally took Kirby's real words and I put them over this splash page and it created this really weird, ironic juxtaposition between sort of this description of sort of the high minded cosmic stuff. And then the reality, I was like, oh, this is exactly what that book wanted to be. And then he does he has an ex he does he does an intro and he does an extra he does one at the end so I took the end extra and put it at the end at the end of the book and I really liked how it is and I was like oh I'll just I'll do this with every book yeah I'll I'll and I'll just match them issue for issue so issue two starts with Kirby's issue two enters and then of course because of that some of that content dictates form where Kirby be talking about funky flashman so like funky has to be in this issue yeah, yeah so that stuff so I was I mean on a like the easy the the like easy way to say it it's kind of lazy I was trying to find someone to put there. But on like a more, I don't know, mystical or whatever writerly vibe, I was trying to channel Kirby in some way. And starting out right when you're starting out writing to have Kirby's words in front of you and you're actually just taken off from there is a good way to, you know, to get the old master inside you a little bit. Huh. Sounds wrong, the old master inside you. He, <laughs> we just say pause after that. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. what brought you about to trying to uh, take Scott Free? from a lighthearted as he's been characterized I say in the last 40 years after this lighthearted guy <laughs> lives in this nice suburban life with his his like super strong really tall wife into <laughs> this thing where he's like uh, it kind of becomes kind of what you receive with like famous people like he doesn't like his life and he doesn't know how to deal with it so he tries to like off himself. Like how like what got you to the point where it's like, I wanna take this guy that everybody thinks is happy and show us that he's not really happy. I I feel like his I mean when you first start talking about Scott, like he's the son of God, right? Who was given to the devil and then tortured for what, fifteen? 16 years yo, he had a life he lived in the hood yo <laughs> right <laughs> um and and then escaped and then but then what like and, and then he becomes like a happy-go-lucky entertainer but dude, i mean you're you're raised in hell you're tortured your own like the own the, the, the person that everyone in the world was like that's god he's the sign of goodness you're like awesome what he how, how do you interact with my life Oh, he gave you away to the devil and got you tortured. You're like, oh man, that's fucked up. And so, and then you're, they're like, well, who's my father? Who am I adopted by? Oh, you're adopted by the devil. He's trying to take over the world and kill hope. Oh, that's my dad. Cool. And and then you're like, well, how was I raised? And you're raised. So, and that that has to affect you. It has to. Have, so then you think like, why is he so happy? I was like, oh, that must be a little bit of facade. Like he must be a little bit in denial of that kind of thing. So you get kind of that, you know, that Robin Williams kind of thing where it's. Um, I don't know. It, it seems so easy to me that, that that you know I didn't have the happiest childhood, so that, that stuff haunts you, you know. Yeah. And, some, and sometimes the the guys who are the entertainers who have like the biggest smiles on their faces or the most inspiring, man. The, you know, they're the guys who are hiding the real the real hard stuff. You know. I guess my next question is uh, 
Yo, why'd you make Orion such a such a? Why'd you make Orion a race like such like these kids here? I don't really want to use what I want to say. Like this meanies, bro. Like what? What is? Like, like yo, like he he is like he's hella mean. There were a few he's hella mean. Like there he's were like furious. I hate you, bro. Like like sounds like I really don't like you, fam. Like you ain't my brother. And Orion's like, yo, you gonna call me by my name in front of everybody? You know, I'm high father. Like, <laughs> like he's such an antagonist in the first arc. What what made you want to set up the first arc where he's the, actually what he feels like the main antagonist? Even though the the long standing ish, the long standing whole book thing is like, you know, the, the classic. I guess now the new classic, Dark Side is, but very much before that, for the first six issues, it's like, yo, Orion is just a pain in his. His side the entire time for the first issue. Yeah, for the first up. the first six he's dealing with New Genesis, and the second six he's dealing with Apocalypse. So it just breaks down even between two planets. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, it's 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 two separate it's two separate things that collide together. Uh, bad, good writing starts as bad writing, and bad writing is allegory. So uh, I, I started this in two thousand right around the inauguration was when I sort of started writing it. And I don't like it political, but I was pissed. And uh, and I was, I mean, I literally was, I was walking around. I live on Capitol Hill. I'm, I'm, I walk my dog around the Capitol. And he had the, and I remember there they had um, porta potties out. And uh, and they were called Don's Johns. I don't know if anyone remembers this. And this motherfucker. They literally said, <laughs> this guy. They said Don's Johns. That was the name of the porta potty company. Who cares, right? He. He had he had little interns put tape over the dawn. He censored the goddamn porta potties. I'm walking my dog around and looking at people. These these poor interns are like he can't. I was so pissed about and it, and that was like the bet. Like it only went downhill from there, right? Like that was like we're like, we're like well, maybe it won't be that bad. No, it was that bad. Right? We haven't found the bottom. Yeah, we haven't found the bottom. No, uh, try, try to tell y'all. I tell you, Dark Side, bro. And everyone, and you're, right, Dark Side is, right? And everyone was like, oh, this is awesome because it's going to be like the 80s and it's going to be, you know, Alan Moore came out of Reagan and all that stuff. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and I'm an arrogant guy, so I'm like, oh, that'll be me. I got I to gotta do something, right? They're talking to me. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to make this. So it was, just, I mean, it was literally as unsubtle as like, I'm going to, the first six is like, Orion is Trump. And he's like, damn, he's <laughs> my man, <laughs> my mainest man. But I mean, look, he's like, well, he's the guy who thinks he's tough, but was actually raised in the nice Beverly Hillsy kind of place. And he's kind of hard though. Yeah, but you know hard. oh, no, it's a pause. He reminds me. I went to he he man before he man. He hard. <laughs> pause. Wow, pause. That's not true. He's see, I, 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 my mother went back to school halfway through my childhood, so I was not so rich growing up, and then my, my mom got me a lot of money, so I went to a, like a fancy prep school, and uh, by the time I got there, you know, there were the guys, and they, you know, these are white dudes from Bel Air with like their pants halfway down, talking, you know, they just all, Malibu's most, most wanted. Oh, they were just the biggest a-holes in the world. That's who Orion is, man. He's oh, like, no, he's, man. he's raised in utter cushion and like trying to pretend he's cool. No, like, man. that's he's who like, he is. You know, he's like the, he's a kid who grew up in the worst, the projects, like on the worst joint and then like somebody was like, nah, man, you can go ahead and live. It's like, it's like Bel Air, Fresh Prince of Bel Air without all the fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like Finding Force or something, like, you know what I'm saying? Things still get, 
think she'll get popping when it hits. She'll get popping. That's a better take than mine, but I didn't have that. So it was Trump. So yeah, it was supposed to be Trump for six issues, and then Putin for the next one. Like, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, up, right? Like the evil behind the throne. Oh, okay. See, yeah, I never think that. That's new to me. I didn't pick that one though. That's funny. That's funny. Okay. I got a squeaky tail. I know it's squeaky. It's going. It's, it so that was out. yeah, but I didn't do well by Orion. I know it's all good. You know what I'm saying? Scott's story. Um, but I liked in the beginning. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna teach you the way to be hard. He's like, that, you don't even teaching right. You have no idea what you're doing. He just, he just punch people in the face. He just punch. That was accurate. <laughs> he just punch people. That's what it is. Like you don't do nothing. He's just like, I'm gonna punch him. Uh, I was worse by Light Ray. He didn't do well either. <laughs> oh man, Mitch ain't doing no favors neither. He looks all snively. It's like, man, he looked like the side. <laughs> like, oh man, you did him dirty. So it worked in the story though. They, they fit well. Well, do you think Light Ray has a personality? I couldn't find his personality. He's a sidekick. <laughs> Right? He's a sidekick. He's nothing. He's his, not, his, I just made him Mitch McConnell. I just, you know. His best oh, issue is when, like, his death coming out of him. He's like, I don't know. I want to escape. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hey, yo, the black race. He's like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get your little punk ass. I'm going to get you. Yeah, that's, like, the best part. That's his, his shining moment. Uh, I know you and uh, Mitch have talked about how much uh, your marriages and his the birth of his kid really influenced the title. Yeah. What what do you feel you maybe you both brought to the relationship of Scott and Barda? Yeah, well, I'm lucky enough to marry to a, the best woman ever. No offense to your wives, sure your husbands and wives are the best people ever too. Um, and 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 someone who I feel like saved my life a few times, and hopefully I saved her life a few times. You know, just when you're in those low points, it brings you back. So, uh, I mean, it, I mean it, that's the. Tr- almost like a new god's tradition like big bard is Roz, right that's like but that's it's that was kirby's wife he's like this i'm gonna put my wife in a comic book because he had this wonderful relationship and, uh, with his wife and she would you know for 60 years or whatever and uh and, and so I, I mean i just did the exact same thing i put my my, my wife uh my wife into Roz. And i think uh, mitch did the same thing so and he also we i have three kids and you know they're the most important thing to me uh Although, dude, this morning, <laughs> this has nothing to do with comics, but I was explaining to you why I look crazy. Uh, I was lying in bed. I just got back from this New York trip. My little guy, four-year-old, gets in bed. He like kind of crawls up, like cuddling. I was like, "This is great. This is the greatest woman ever." And I was like, "I'm like, we're, this is this is what life is about: cuddling with your son on a Saturday morning. Beautiful." And then for no reason at all, he just backheads butts me so damn hard. <laughs> there was there, I, I, there was no reason. I don't I don't know what he did. I there's no. I blacked out. Like, <laughs> my dog who's explosive just jumps on my bed and like starts licking my face. I'm like, what is going on? Your dog's just happy you're home. Yeah, she's happy. How you post a picture like, oh, I gotta go away. Dog at the window. Yo, my dog doesn't bump me in the face. That's why she's better than my kids. <laughs> <laughs> so if I look a little bleary, it's like, oh, my goodness. You got a headbutt. I got headbutts. Right? Well, you might be a little bit like a, like a riot, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, like an a-hole. I get it. <laughs> no, no, I ain't calling him. I like a riot. He's my guy. Um, I like that take on Ryan, though. That's cool. we'll, just, we'll talk about that more this week. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so, um, I don't know. The best way to write anything good is to write from your life. And uh, I used to have an interesting life, you know, where I was like running around doing stuff. I already wrote about that. So now I have a boring life where I just sit there and type and get hit in the head. <laughs> so uh, I just wrote about my wife because she was so nice to me. Yeah. That's what's up. Um, 
And like Scott, he's she's a lot tougher than I am. <laughs> yeah, your your wife is pretty cool. She does seem tougher than you. Right. <laughs> go lie. Yo. Well, she's uh, like I'm. I'm from California. I'm from Los Angeles, and 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 she's from the Midwest. So like we have, like LA people, we're always worried about everything, right? We're like career obsessed. We're just we're just like, how can we do this? How can we make life better? How can we? Is this the best life I'm leading? I should I should be more famous. I should be better. All that stuff. Midwest people are like just like just get it done and get to the end of the day you know they're like I, I like LA people are always focused on the problem Midwest people are focused on the solution you know so she, she just has that attitude that sort of like like yeah you're gonna worry about things but you still gotta get you gotta get to the comic book store on time right <laughs> so like <laughs> get it she gets it done so that's why I think it's a good part she gets it done and then eventually that's what the whole thing is about is like Scott just relies on her too much and then she has, has to explode right because he becomes a little too selfish yeah yeah cares a little bit too yeah he does he does sometimes he gets lost himself so as you said earlier you read you read Mr. Miracle the old version uh Funky Flashman is like all of Jack Kirby's resentment yeah towards Stan Lee he's not I, and and Roy Thomas you just like yo, oh Roy's worse yo he like yo, House he, Roy <laughs> that's a horrible nickname he hates them so now you know nobody really has done funky flashman outside of that resentful mode but you decided to do funky in a way that's kind of opposite of the way scott treats him in the old comic but in a, in a, in a more loving nostalgic like yeah stanley might do some things we don't like but like he's still stanley and at this point, that is finished, and you know, Stanley passed. What brought you about flipping Funky Flashman into this resentful, resentful caricature into like kind of like the best, like, old uncle? And that's what he seems like. <laughs> yeah. He's just Jacob's old uncle, to like, yo, we gotta go fight somebody so uh, Funky, you can watch him. Yeah. He won't die. <laughs> I wanted to. Re- I don't, I'm, it's an obscure issue, but if you guys like want some comic book history, read the issue. It's issue five of uh, Mister uh, Mr. Miracle Kirby. And what he just, just you guys, if you haven't read it, what happens is the bad guy is this guy called Funky Flashman. It's a take, and it's a direct one-on-one Stan Lee take. But it's not like kind of fun. I'm making fun or poking at somebody. It's like it's 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 um it's almost cruel. Like yo, it's like push a T to Drake for anybody who gets that. <laughs> It's like, yo, you're a fraud. You're fake. I hate you. You stole all my ideas. Yeah, it starts out with him going to, like, he's, he's like, he's like in this. He starts out and he, he opens this like skull of a creator and takes money out of his head. And he goes, I get this from my uncle because Stanley got his, like, his cousin in law was was head of Marvel. And 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 then he and then he takes a wig out of another drawer and and, and puts on a fake face. And uh, <laughs> and then he goes and tries to rip everybody off he can. And and, and, and Roy Thomas, who's his like assistant editor, is House Roy, and he's just kind of like sucking up to him the whole time. It's like a very, it's a like if I did that in a comic book. That would be awesome. <laughs> no, uh, uh, to somebody random. <laughs> uh, like, they, they wouldn't let you do that anymore. You'd get sued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I wish I had gunshot sounds. Uh, but um, I, don't, I met Stan Lee a few times. And, I mean, he's such a complicated human being, right? Like, he's... Uh, like, the comics wouldn't exist without him. And, uh, and, and, he's, he, and he's, like, has, like, this super kind side to him. Um, but he also did some 
crappy things, you know, like anybody else. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to make that character a little more three dimensional because I, I felt like Kirby's relationship with Lee over the years was more three dimensional than that. It just happened to be at the lowest point that he put that hit out on him. Like by the time it, like the last line in the book that, um, uh, that Funky says in my book, is the is is the last thing that Kirby said to Stan Lee when they recorded it. It's something like, um, "Neither of us have anything to regret." It was something like that. Okay. And so, so I mean, I, I feel like they found a little bit of pieces they went by, and I wanted, I wanted to show. I mean, I, I just, I feel like it's, it's cool today to be if you're, like the, the general populace loves Stan Lee. So if you're a super geek, you hate Stan Lee because you have to sort of rebel against the general populace, right? And I just feel like I don't, I don't hate him. I, I, I feel like there's a side to that, that guy that's super important, and, and the, yeah, he's a super carnival barker. But we need to kind of a super carnival barker. Somebody needed to sell the books. Somebody needed to, to put this out here. So like, I, I like Stan Lee. Also, also, I do, in reading one of the revelations of reading the the new gods is it's, it's it's great, but I mean just to be so perfectly on, and you might be arguing with me, it's not as great as the Marvel stuff. It's different. It's really it's really it's. I think he was trying to write the old and new testament with like hippie stuff he saw in the news. I don't. Yeah, no, I, it's, he yeah. was really trying to write this. Sometimes I was like, well, that's like you're really trying to write the old testament. Like, it, <laughs> it needed. You could see you you can see what Stan did to Kirby if you if if you read the two side by side. Yeah. Like Kirby was this fountain of ideas and he was just an unleashed id who could create things no one else could create in the whole history of pop culture. Like he's like the godfather of American pop culture. But he needed someone to shape that. He needed like a and that's what Stan was. He was like a filter. Like he 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 put a little polish on it and made it made it easier. Like he need, the two of them worked better together than they, either of them did apart. That's that's completely true. Stanley without him, I don't, or without Steve Dicko, it wasn't the same. They weren't cook, he wasn't cooking the same. Yeah, no. Um, being that you could say that in this book, it doesn't really matter if if anything is real, because it's real to Scott. But is it safe to say? Good bless, uh, bless you. Does Oberon, does Oberon dying set Scott on this path? Yeah, for sure. So it seems like he's, it's, the loss is always there. And he also kind of looks like Jack Kirby. So he found a way <laughs> to put like Jack Kirby and, and Stan Lee in the same comic. Yeah, if you, and, and I'm not a solo writer. Then when I go to his gravestone, his name is Oberon yeah, Kurtzberg. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was low-key family. But, uh, <laughs> Um, I guess I don't want to ask too many questions, but um, I want them to ask some questions. Yeah, yeah but I mean, this this thing started, and I said about if everyone's read anything, I, just, I had this little panic attack right from that five guys that's down by the National Stadium. Uh, and uh, I had a panic attack right there, ended up in the hospital over here in GW, uh, thinking I had an heart attack, and they just said I was crazy, so I was all broken down. But that same day while I was going to the hospital, uh, my grandma died. I think that triggered it. In the back of my head, I knew she was sick and was kind of on the edge or something. I, so it wasn't as much a coincidence as a sort of cause effect thing. But uh, my grandma helped raise me when I was a kid. Uh, helped me raise me when I was a kid. She helped raise me when I was 30. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so like that, the whole trauma, and, and I was trying to put, that's what the whole book is about. It's about sort of waking up from going crazy and trying to put your life back together. And and it started out the death of my grandmother, so it sort of represented that. That's what it was. That, that yeah, that was the trigger moment. So I was, I was kind of trying to channel, channel that a little bit, and that became 
for the sex it became Oberon mm. the moment that makes me cry in the whole book when I read it ma making yourself cry is stupid because I know it's fake but um, you get the, the feelings end, though you get the feelings you get the feelings the emotions when he's talking to Oberon and, and, and Oberon and, he, and he's, he's ha I'm sorry I'm spoiled but he's going to have a daughter and, and, and he's like oh you heard and he's like congratulations on your, your kid it's like, oh, you heard about that? Because when your when your family dies and you have another kid, like the one thing you want, whole world, is just like you just hope that they know this kid exists. Right? Yeah, like that. That's what that's what gets it gets me right now. I'm getting choked up. Yeah, yeah. choked up my own world. Last the 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 the, the last part, kind of how Scott interacts with his past is really is really touching. And thinking about that, um, so since I reread everything recently. I, I was wondering, there's a part in, you read um, uh, Mr. Miracle where there's a flashback issue, just like in New Guys, there's an issue called The Pact, which explains how how Orion and Scott got to their predicament. And there's an issue of Mr. Miracle called Hyman that explains like yeah. how Scott got out, which is there's this guy who's basically like a freedom fighter on Apocalypse who taught him like how to escape. But the real thing that, that when I reread it was like at the end... And this is a spoiler. Scott is at the, at the breach and like Darkseid's there and Hyman's there and Metron's there and Bart is like in the back and he's just like, I just want to be Scott free and find myself. <laughs> so, which I thought, hey, that was hella cheesy. <laughs> but <laughs> do you think that is like, did that inform your comic? Because reading your comic, he's going through all this, this trauma and thinking about his past, how it got him to this point. But in, in, in a way, he's still finding himself until, like, Barter has a kid. They kind of, like, at that point, he's starting to... To me, it's less searching happening. He's getting through everything, but it's like... Especially by the time she's like, I'm pregnant again, he's like, all right, like, I'm Scott Free, I'm son of God, I run things, I escape. Did, did that inform that whole, like... I? Seems like he's always searching, like he's always trying to escape because he's always trying to figure out yeah, like yeah. who am I, man? Like, I didn't even pick my name. Like Julian, you're the ideal reader of my comics. You just read all my ears. <laughs> you're the best. Uh yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's the idea is like I, I don't know, I'm I'm 40 now, and it seems like my whole life I'm like, oh I'm gonna find myself, I'm gonna have some epiphany, figure out all life is about, and then cruise from there. And it like never happens, right? Like yeah. you think you're there, and you never sort of movies lie to us. Yeah, they lie to us, right? You, you want to be like ordinary people and just like start crying and realize the one bad thing in your past and overcome it, and then just run straight into the sunset. Like that never happens. You figure out nothing. What you kind of yeah, you figure out nothing, right? You just survive. You don't learn. You survive, right? So that's what it's. I mean, to me, that's what it's about. Like that's why the ending. Like he, I mean, I know what the solution is, but Scott doesn't know what the solution is. And that's, that, that feels like, that's, I don't know what the fucking solution to all this stuff is, but I, but I know that I got to keep living and I can't be depressed that I don't know the solution. Yeah. You know, I, gotta, I just got to keep living and, and, and you know, uh, love my family and, and, and try to get something done with the life and keep going, you know? So, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't like, I, I feel like epiphanies are cool for, like, when I write Batman, which is more sort of a straight, straight up thing, but when I'm trying to write something real, I don't think real people have huge epiphanies and, and change their lives like that. You just, you, you're still yourself the next day, you know? And then and maybe you, you like life moves slower and faster than that at the same time. All right, I'm done answering my questions. So it looks like there's a lot of you guys. So I think I'm gonna limit it to like five questions. Let's get some hands raising. All right. 
One, two, three. Because you was the first three hands off. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I guess my big First off, thank you for all your great work. I, I love Chef of Babylon. It was one of my favorite things I've ever read. Oh, you rock, man. Um, nice. But, Nobody read that. Oh, I love it. Oh, no, trust me. I can guarantee you <laughs> read it because my company actually was the one who gave you 10 out of 10 on, on the second issue. Oh, um, you rock. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but my, I guess my biggest question is, Mr. Miracle is such kind of like a, I mean, look, in the history of DC lore, he's one of those odd characters, right? Like, he's always trotted in, you know, you know they bring, bring him in in Kingdom Come. Yeah. You know, they, you know, they bring him in um, on uh, Giffen of Damascus' run on Justice League. But he, he was never really like a primetime character. He has such a unique kind of power and skill set. What made you pick him? Um, I mean, considering that, you know, you're, you're doing Batman, which is, you know, just DC's flagship book. What, so why Mr. Miracle over anybody else who was available ah man i wish it was a good answer but i didn't pick him they picked him for me i i uh um i didn't i did, I did the comic vision for uh the the that got good the good reviews and everything and uh I, I i nobody picks vision as the character they wanted right right <laughs> like i was at the beginning of my career and, and marvel's like we have a pro- oh, have the perfect superhero for you and i thought i was gonna be like some uh, uh soldiers guy because i didn't see i so, and they're, they're like, uh, Vision. I'm like, oh, yeah, Vision. He's, what? Who's Vision? <laughs> He's the fifth Avenger. You have four guys and you throw Vision on the team. So, but then I realized, like, that's, like, the greatest gift anyone can give you. It's, like, they give you a character nobody cares about, and then you have room to run. Because edit- the best thing edit- edit- editors can do is not care. Because then you can be super crazy with it, right? Uh, or at least the editors on top. You want your you want your line editor to care, but you don't want the, the executive editors to care. They they care so much about Batman. So I live that life. So I um so I was I was out with Dan DiDio, who's the head of DC, the publisher of DC Comics, and, and I just had a book taken away for a good reason. And he's like, I want I want you to do another book. I want you to do Vision, but send a DC. And I just asked him to give me a character, and we we were I was we were both drunk off the table. And he offered me Atomic Knights. Atomic Knights would be fire. Oh, no, I wanted Atomic Knights. Oh, I was like, fire. Ah. <laughs> um, I, I chose Mr. Miracle because I just thought I could do something with the new gods. Yeah. So it was just given to me. That's all it was. It was something. Oh, cat, oh, kite me in forever, by the way. Oh, damn. Hell, Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> <laughs> Love kite, man. Devon, you were number two. Yeah, so uh, just wanted to thank you for Mr. Miracle because it, it was just really, really good. Thanks, man. And uh, just really, really enjoyed it. Like, it, it made me feel like the way I, I did when I was reading Vertigo for the first time. Aww. Like, I honestly felt like I was reading something that I hadn't quite read before. And, uh, but that also kind of leads to the second part of it. Well, the second part. Of the I remember when I first read Vertigo. I was an intern yeah. there. I somehow skipped it as a kid. Yeah. I remember first time yeah, reading Sandman. I wasn't Sandman, quite I was like... ready for it. <laughs> I wasn't quite ready for it when yeah. I first started. But that's the other thing. Um, with Mr. Miracle, it seems like he's occupying a very specific space, and the space kind of is like the the PTSD and trauma that's within his head. Yeah. And he's presenting himself as this one thing. Like, okay, I'm over here, and I'm making children laugh and giggle and all this, but then I have to go back to Apocalypse, and I'm a general. <laughs> and in that, do you think that maybe you moved him a little bit too far past maybe the DC universe where like, let's say if Black Canary goes, walks up to him and goes, Hey, what's up? Remember when we were in the justice league? He'll, you can't quite see them the same way. You know what I mean? Like in the sense that they were in a very specific place in the eighties. And now Scott is in a very specific place. Do you feel like the dynamic for Scott within the DC universe has definitely shifted. That's a good question. 
Uh, I don't know because he's he's like I feel all this stuff the um, Giffen the Mattis stuff like that's still Scott right he's still that goofy laughing performer guy he just had all that other stuff going on underneath and at that time he was still the son of God he wasn't the general but he was he was still fighting on Apocalypse the other day so I, I mean I can see where, exactly where you're coming from that like um the characters do, but I, I feel like Black Canary would still see. It'd be like you see a friend from college you haven't seen for a while, and you kind of revert to who you used to be, kind of. Um, that the, and, and even even though you've been through a lot of stuff, and they've been through a lot of stuff. You you still find that common denominator of what you used to be, and somehow that's still true too. Isn't that? Um, that's part of you. So yeah, I I I think it could still work. I think so. I don't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> I've been wrong before. Black Canary's been through some stuff too. She's like a rock star now and all that stuff. She lost the shoulder pads. <laughs> Someone can make that work. You were number three. Um, so I, I want to thank you for writing this book too. Uh, as long as we're shouting out your other work, I really like to make them now. Oh, good. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the same two people who read that right over there. <laughs> uh, one of the things I really liked about Omega Men was the, uh, was the form, the layouts, um, how it sort of like worked backwards and forwards. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about form in Miracle Man. Uh, obviously, you got the, the nine panel grid, um, you know, bars for, you know, he can escape anything. And you put him in bars. But yeah. there are a couple exceptions to that. I would just kind of want to get your comments on it. Um, the splash page you mentioned at the beginning, where you're yeah. out, but then uh, this, there is another world panel at the end <laughs> with, yeah. with all the Justice League. Um, only a few other exceptions. There's the one where the where it's like young Scott Free yeah. uh, talking about you know, you'll see the face of God when I draw it, and these are the four worlds. Yeah. And then there's one uh, panel at the end of issue one where it's just Dark Side is. That's yeah, an old page. Yeah. And I think that's all of them. Um, yeah. So I I wanted to to sort of get your comments on that. I mean, it's not the most subtle writing ever. It's a little bit of the Wizard of Oz going from black and white to color, right? Uh, the idea is there are two worlds that exist in the book. There's the world that Scott's in after he kills himself and the world he was in before he killed himself. And, um, and when you're in the unsubtle part of it is, is, is when, when he's the world before you get no, there are no grids. It's, it's all free. Everything is free. And after he kills himself, these grids drop in. So there's like these bars between you and the reader. So every, everything that happens in those panels happens in, the new world, the, the new world, new gods, and, and and the old and without the panels is the old world. So that's why when you see when he goes, there is another world. He opens it up, the panels drop because you're looking at back at that. Now the question for Scott is, what does that mean? Does that mean when I killed myself, I died and I went to heaven? When I killed myself, I died and I went to hell? That's what the last issue is about. It could mean a thousand different things, and and so it's just it's symbolic of that sort of transition, of um of of, of what and and of course that's all. You know, that becomes a metaphor in Scott's mind for there was a world before I, tr I try to kill myself and there's a world after. And which one is better, which one is worse. And in terms of continuity, I, to me, I feel like he falls out of... Um, I mean, it's, it's like that old statement, this is an imaginary story, but aren't they all right? The more the Moore statement. I feel like he, he falls out of continuity, but maybe he falls into the real continuity, his own continuity, you know? Who's, who's to say that a world of superheroes is more real than the world of his daughter kind of thing? Um, uh, so yeah, that, that that's what, and of course the idea is, and, and you know the nine panel grid makes it, you get you get the bards, you get it becomes very claustrophobic. It also becomes very easy to read for a book that I want to sort of reach a bigger audience. Um, 
So it's, it's all that stuff. But yeah. Omega Man was much harder. This is easy. It's just nine. I mean, it's harder for Mitch to drop. Omega Man I was doing, every issue is a mirror of itself. Because if an Omega shape is a mirrored shape, right? If you divide it in half, it mirrors itself. Um, so I was a pretentious little kid. I wrote this. <laughs> so so ev ev every issue mirrors itself. So issue, so page one matches page 20, page two matches page 19, uh, up until those. Now I didn't pull it off. And then, and, then, and then it gets really weirder because the first six issues then mirror the second six issues. So that um, issue uh, six and seven mirror each other and five and eight mirror each other like that. Uh, I didn't pull it off. I think it was three or four panels. I mean, when it got canceled, in the middle, I just gave up on it for three mm. or four panels. So issue, I think uh, four or five doesn't mirror exactly one. Like one doesn't get. Finished. Anyways, that's but that was much harder to do than just all nine panels. In, in one of the single issues, I remember they put uh, ads that were instead of being a page was like half a page piece of at the page. Bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing really there. But if you, it did make me want to buy a Snickers. It did. I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny because it was a Nick Lachey ad eating a Snickers, and they really, they're like, I, they're like, everyone has to do this. They bought whatever they paid us. Whatever. So I was like, I, but you could choose where you wanted to put it. So I had a place where a soldier was getting his head blown off. So it's like, it, and it's just like close up. It's like he's like smiling, and his head blows off, and it's like Nick Lachey eat a Snickers. <laughs> you're not yourself when you're hungry. Here's a Snickers. <laughs> see a Snickers because Nicholas Shea says it in a comic book. Is that a thing? No. What's the audience for that? Nobody was checking oh, for Nicholas Shea. Uh, okay. A whole bunch of hands now. I'm going to go with glasses guy in the back. <laughs> and then Jabari. And then we'll, we'll see how you got what you feel after those two. Hi. I discovered you, Sheriff of Babylon, if you want. Oh. So my question is about... Uh, you know, there's a rich history of great writers choosing or being assigned weird characters to do work with. Yeah. Um, and that, that's part of my appeal to comics. I like I love Mark Russell's work with like Sacrifice. Uh, Mark Russell's the best. Um, here recently, and then The Lone Ranger, and then your work with The Vision and Mr. Miracle. Who, whose work did you go back to for inspiration when you chose to write about these kind of off the beaten <coughs> like? characters that nobody cared about or that were almost forgotten i mean i mean uh, you, I mean, you start with the cliche i think it's obvious like when you think of alan moore given that given being given the charlton's characters okay. or um my, my favorite graphic novel of all time is alan moore um dc universe stories which is just a collection of his dc stuff he did mm -hmm. in the 80s and he just like he did like two two omega men like three pages and they're the two best like stories ever and they're three pages where you read uh, I mean, he just had his. He could take any little character and find the crazy in him, uh, uh, except for vigilante. Those those aren't good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, so it's that stuff. But it's also like uh, Keith Giffen doing with the Legion of Superheroes and the Five Year Later Legion, when he took all those concepts that were really goofy, just took a five year gap and and, and made that goofiness into something sort of uh, strange and existential. And uh, I think of like. I mean, Dar Darwin Cook's New Frontier, what he did with, like, the Suicide Squad, the so beginning of that fine. stuff. And, and the Losers. Um, and the Losers. And, yeah, so all that's what Darwin did. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the best comics in the history of comics are when someone takes a really goofy idea and then but takes it seriously, and because you take it seriously, it becomes um, more relatable for some reason. So, yeah, yeah, those, 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 those come right... To oh, uh, um, Robinson's... Uh, 
and then and Paul Smith was at uh, Golden Age, that oh thing. What he did with like Johnny Quick when he made Johnny Quick this like wash up writer. Oh, so all that stuff. Yeah, that that's really cool too. Damn, I love that book. That's a beautiful book. Oh man, I probably should fight that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, those are my favorite comics. Jabari was next. America seems to have these two um, action movies, two effects, be simultaneously contributing to and engaging with or conversing with the established mythos of the fourth world and the gods. With that in mind, I was wondering if um, you thought about the aspects of the elements of um, this miracle or the larger universe that you feel like you've contributed to or perhaps been engaged with doing this character. If there were any um, conversations on a literary level that you felt like you were having with um, with Jackson and with the previous uh, creators and those who yeah helped establish some of these some of these characters. Like, 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 how did that character become literary? Kind of, or like, what about him made him literary? Is that what it is? No, I'm just thinking like with your work, um, your work being in conversation with yeah, um, yeah with with previous story arcs with previous creators. If you just Considered like your connection. Yeah. Well, it was like, so T.S. Eliot was, was an anti Semitic asshole, but I'll, I'll quote him. <laughs> uh, um, but he, he wrote that famous essay about how all poetry is just a, it's just like a rolling forward, like a conversation, like almost like um, uh, all, all, like you, you can't read any poem in isolation. You got to know like that that poem is talking to the poem before, and the next poem, and this poem is talking to the next. I think that's what comics are too. I mean, that's what continuity is, right? Like, I, I feel like we're all creators. We're all talking to each other. And so, yeah, when, when I'm writing, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm writing to Jack Kirby and I'm saying, hey, this, this is great. And I can't believe you did that to Funky. I mean, I do, I do think when you, when you write, you're, you're talking to the creators before. I mean, I, I was an intern for Chris Claremont when I was 19 or whatever. And, uh, and I would sit, I would, it was like my first exposure to how to write comics was just sitting here and hearing him complain about every single comic because he's a grumpy guy he'll tell you that but he's a grumpy ass guy and and he and he hated all comics um but but that's when i started to, to hear like the, the comics were stories between creators on a little on, on a level because he would talk about like this guy's i mean he's writing that but he's just done that because he's got divorced with his wife so don't listen to that <laughs> and he was like and so it's like oh man this is these are creators talking to each other these are like little love letters and hate letters to each other so yeah yeah i i, I think all comics is is, is like that that's what makes it good, right? Is you're on the shoulder of giants and stuff like that. Did you want to do another question? I don't know, just as long as you have time to sign everything. I'll talk for as long as you want to talk. All right, one more question. I saw a bunch of hands before. You guys are hand up fastest. <laughs> I'll also be here signing, so you can ask me questions while I sign. That's also <laughs> available. One more was, my favorite character in your Batman run so far is Gentleman. Oh, really? Gentleman? Nobody liked that, man. People hated this <laughs> shit. Like a I like character. He's, he's coming Tom, back. He's a Tom King character. <laughs> I like that. I like his name, the Gentleman. That's cool. I like him. You liked him? He's just you and me. We're all one. I'm biased. How'd that come about? Um, man, nobody. So I, people don't know. I wrote these two issues of Batman, and I put this cliffhanger in the first. It's like so many things went wrong with these two issues of Batman. Uh, I, I wrote this issue where, where Wonder Woman and, and, and Batman get trapped in this like other realm where basically it's it's, it's like a, it's a day passes here and a hundred years pass there so they're like stuck there for a long time and they just have to constantly fight the whole time 
I was like, that sounds like a pretty cool concept. It turns out someone else had done exactly that concept. Joe Kelly had done it in a Superman that I had never read. Um, and someone called me out and I read it. I was like, oh yeah, it looks like I totally ripped this off. I hadn't, but it looked mm-hmm. like that. Plus, um, uh, I made the cliffhanger because I didn't have a good idea for the cliffhanger. I made the cliffhanger like it was in the middle of Catwoman and Batman were together. And, and uh, after like 30, 30 years, uh, Wonder Woman and Batman are like, we're never going to get out of here. We're stuck. Maybe we should, you know, have a little romance while we're here. They don't, but it was, that was the cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people fucking God hated it. <laughs> <laughs> they hated that, man. That was, that was like one soap opera too far. Uh, the thought. The thought. They had the thought. They had they the thought across them. They didn't hook up, but they had a thought. Um, and so, and so that, that distracted those issues. So those issues just became about about me playing defense I'm so sorry and they never know if you never cheat yeah if you were stuck for 10 years by yourself with the most beautiful woman in the world um, and you knew you'd never get out of the situation that would never consider it at all um, so uh, but yeah so but again that was all distraction from what I wanted the book to be about which was the story of this this guy who sort of stands at the barrier between us and chaos and constantly has to fight and that's his burden and meanwhile he has a, a, a wife um back back home and, and he's, he, he he can't get back to his family 100 and you know only that he's like i'll be gone for a year but for him it's a thousand years and uh, i just I, I love that concept and uh yeah i was i was um i mean he's coming back I, I don't tell anybody but yeah he's, he's it's it, to me, I feel like I placed a nuclear bomb in the middle of my Batman run. I placed this gentleman character who's like so fucking badass and like, and he owes Batman a favor. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm probably spoiling this, but you know, obviously Batman's getting the crap kicked out of Bane. Some at some point, he's going to need to press a button to fight back. And the fact that that the one of the most powerful people in the world owes him a favor is, might come into play. You know? <laughs> so that, yeah, I care. I love that. And Joel designed him so cool. Yeah, he's all. I told her she uh, Simon's him up perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. How did it come about? Uh, that's just my Story. stupid imagination. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess we should get with the signing now because there's a lot more of you than when we started. <laughs> I guess you should probably line up here. You want to see the I don't know how they want them to do the chairs. Hey, Leah and Raven, how do y'all want to handle the chairs? If you can hear me.